sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known, by forever daddy, oh how we love you so, I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. So we're going to continue in another way. We're going to go on with the Word of God right now. See, there's power in worship. There's power in the Word. But say, I've heard something through the years that the only purpose of worship is to prepare your hearts for the Word. See, but I don't believe that. I believe that the purpose of worship is to touch the heart of God. So we're not doing that just to make way for the preaching. But see, that's the part of the service that's only for God, that we offer to Him. So that's why we can spend extra time just praising God, standing in His presence and giving Him praise. But we're going to continue now in the series going through the book of Genesis. So if you could turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, So Abram left Egypt and went back to the Negev he and his wife and everything he owned, and Lot, who was his nephew, still with him. By now Abram was very rich, loaded with cattle and silver and gold. He moved on from the Negev, camping along the way to Bethel, the place he had first set up his tent between Bethel and I, and built his first offer, altar. And Abraham prayed there to God, See, Abraham had just come from a time of failure and disobedience. He messed up in his life, but he chose not to run away from God, but he came right back to God. See, Bethel means the house of the Lord, and he built an altar. When you fail, when you mess up, don't run away from church. I don't care if you're here with crack in your pocket right now. You, you need to be back in the house of God, turning your life back over to Him. I'm tired of seeing the people of God every time they fail. You don't see them for the next months. Because of, because of shame and rejection, God will not reject you when you build the altar and come back to Him, just like Abraham. Because look what happened to Abraham. It said that he became rich in the midst of his failure, in the midst of his immaturity, in the midst of his backsliding. The blessing of God was on him. 
Don't believe the lie of the enemy that, when, that if you messed up, you fell, you tripped up, that God's not pleased with you anymore, that God doesn't want you anymore. There's always restoration. There's always an altar to come back to. And if you failed, you've sinned miserably in the last few weeks, and you're here today, we welcome you back. We welcome you into the presence, into the house of the Lord. See, Abraham became rich because of the blessing of God. Aren't you glad that the Bible says we're all children of Abraham and we share in the inheritance? So just take that right now, Father, in Jesus' name. I just released the blessing of Abraham right now upon your people. I release that abundance in Jesus' name, that there's always more than enough, more than enough. You lack nothing, just like your father Abraham. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, that not one of your people suffers depression. Not one of your people is bankrupt in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God. We just received that. But guess what happens sometimes when you got money? Guess what happened to Abraham and his nephew? Just like happens a lot with rich people. They start clashing and fighting. No, that's mine. This is yours. They start arguing. You know how many families through the years I've seen broken up because of money? Because of an inheritance that was left, and now the brothers and sisters don't talk to each other anymore. They're fighting about the money. When they were poor, everything was good. You see, if you want God to bless you financially, you've got to learn how to handle it. If you're going to start fighting over money, if it's going to turn your heart away from God, he's not going to give it to you. You know what happens to most of the people I know who get money? You never see them. Now they're too busy. God is not going to bless you financially the way you want unless you know how to handle that through the eyes of heaven. So what happened was Abraham said to Lot, his nephew, let's not fight. Let's all get along. And he said, I'll go one way and you go the other way. And Abraham told him, I'll go whichever, whichever way you go, I'll go the other way because Abraham trusted God. Abraham knew wherever he went, wherever you found him, that he was going to be protected, that God was going to bless him and watch over him. So he gave Lot the first choice. And you know what Lot chose? I'm going to read verse 10 again. Lot looked. He saw the whole plain of the Jordan spread out well watered. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like God's garden, like Egypt, and stretching all the way to Zoar. Lot took the whole plain of the Jordan. Lot set out to the east. That's how they came to part company, uncle and nephew. Abram settled in Canaan. Lot settled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent near Sodom. The people of Sodom were evil, flagrant sinners against God. 
Can you imagine that? Lot, who that tells us in the book of Peter, he was a righteous man. He was a man of God. But you can be a man of God and your heart not sold out. You can, be, you can sit here in this church and be filled with compromise and pitch your tent right next to Sodom and Gomorrah because you see the blessing. You see the beauty in the middle of the most evil place on earth that God was about to destroy. He said, that looks good to me. I see the beauty of that evil place. You see, there's danger in the beauty of this world because there's no connection between the things that look beautiful in this world and the beauty of the Lord. You see, because of his choice, Lot's family was eventually destroyed. He looked straight into evil and he was seduced by its false promises. Now that sounds good to us, that guy back then, what a fool. How many Christians have I known over the years that fell for the same lie, became seduced by the enemy, by the lies of this world? You see, we don't talk about the devil a lot here and the things of evil because we like to focus on the Lord. But the Bible says, do not be... Do not be ignorant of the devil's schemes, the way he works. I'm, I, I don't want one of you to fall into the same trap that Lot fell into. Because here's something about the devil. When you think of Satan, which is another name for him, you think of this ugly guy with horns, right, and a pitchfork, like the most ugly guy. And when you think of him, you think of child molesters, you think of murderers and killers and ugly. And yes, the devil is ugly, but there's another side to him. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, talking about evil men right in the church. It says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. You see, even, forget the world. What does the word say? Even in church. You can walk in all wearing a nice suit. You can quote every scripture. And you could be a womanizer coming here looking for women. I've seen it over and over. I've seen over and over people going to the people of God because they have an agenda. They, they have evil intentions in their heart. How many times you turn on Christian TV and instead of promoting God, focusing on Jesus... They're using the gospel for their own financial gain. You see, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. How, how many young single women have I known through the years as a pastor who at one time they loved God, they worshiped just like you did today. People who would kneel at the altar, spend hours in prayer, until one day they met this guy. And you know what? 
this guy's not a Christian. He don't go to church. But it's always the same story. Yeah, but he's not like the rest of them. He's just like the rest of them. I want to ask you something. What you looking at? Are you looking in the kingdom of God? Because if you're not, the enemy's going to take you in by that seducing thing of this world. See, the world will pull you in. There's beautiful music. You could turn on the radio and you could start singing and dancing because of the beauty of the, of the sound. And then you listen to the words. And it's nothing, nothing but something that's perverse, anti-Christ, anti-Jesus music. And we fill our hearts with it because we're enthralled by the beauty of it. The devil will come as an angel of light. And if you don't understand it, he'll kill you. I, I've known people totally destroyed. You see, there's another name for Satan. And that name is Lucifer. And you know what Lucifer means? The carrier of the light. The bright morning star, which is the same name we use for Jesus. Because let me tell you a little story right now about who the devil is. I'm going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 11. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre. Now it's talking about an earthly king, but the real meaning of the scripture is the demonic, the evil behind him. This is what the Lord says. Speaking of the devil, you are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, and emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. Now, a cherub is not one of those little baby angels you see in the, in the TV. You know what a cherub is? A cherub is an angel that guards the throne of God. It's the one that guards the very presence and glory of God. And the devil at one time, he was the chief. He was a worship leader. He stood at the throne of God, all dressed in precious stones. You were on, you were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways. From the day you were created till wickedness was found within you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. And I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. 
and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Speaking about the devil, he once stood in the presence of God, and he was one of the most beautiful of all creatures. You see, the devil wants you to see him as a guy with the pitchfork. He wants you to see him as that ugly guy. And then he'll come around the other way because he knows how to look beautiful to you. He knows how the Bible talks about in Proverbs chapter 6, the adulterous woman whose mouth is dripping with honey and sugar. And when you look, you could see this beauty. But what happens, it tells us, but it'll lead to death. You see, most of the time when it comes to the church, that's how, that's how the enemy will get to pull you out of church, get you further away from God by making the things out there look so beautiful and wonderful. He'll get you into sin. He'll lead you into temptation. He's not going to tempt you with ugliness. He might be able to get the people out there to go out and rob a bank. He knows that none of you are going to do that. So you know what he's going to do to you? He's going to start hooking you up with this friend. Oh, such a nice guy. Such a wonderful person. And the next thing you know, that friend is leading you down the path of evil and destruction. That's why Proverbs says, above anything else, above praying, above your worship, guard your heart. Single people, guard your heart. There are predators out there, and some of them will look for an easy victim. I've seen, as I travel around, I see them in churches all over. Even people in ministry with no other agenda than to build their own kingdom, just like Lot, promoting themselves. See, that's what Lot did. When he saw Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, forget about God, all that God worship, all the stuff. Let's leave that behind. That place is beautiful. We're going to make some mad bucks over there. Don't let that happen to you. How many people I've seen all of a sudden, they said, I was offered this great job. Wow, I'm going to make big money. It, God provided this for me. And the next thing you know, that you'll never see him again because they're big, it got their heart and pulled them out of, out of church, out of the things of God. I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. People who once walked with God and loved him with all their heart. Until one day, they looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, and they saw something that attracted them. And they, pinched, they pitched their tent right next to that wicked city. See, there's better for you. Look through the eyes of Christ. Don't be attracted. Don't be tempted by the beauty of this world. It's all fading away. The Bible says it's all like grass. It's going to die. But the kingdom of God will live forever. 
You see, but Abraham, he wasn't like Lot. He might have messed up. He might have failed. But every time he did, he got back up. He built an altar, got on his knees and said, God, I worship you. You see, your failure does not change the fact that he's still God. And he still loves you in the midst of it. And he'll always bring you back. The Bible says a righteous man might fall seven times, but every time he'll get up again. So if that's you, if you're sitting here right now in guilt and condemnation, feeling far from God, just, just take that truth right now. Look at Abraham, that failure, that liar, that rebellious man who turned back to God and said, God, I give you my life, everything I got, I give it to you. See, there was something about Abraham. He owned a lot of wealth, but the wealth did not own him. So I'm going to go down now and read Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 14. It says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Wow, that's interesting. God couldn't speak to him until he got rid of Lot first. There's people that you're surrounding yourself with, and until you separate yourself from them, you're not going to hear anything from God. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Jonah. And even though he was a man of God, he lived in rebellion. And he came on the boat. And as long as he was on the boat, the boat went through storms and waves. It was about to sink. And you know what they did? They took Jonah, they threw him off the boat, and now the waves stopped. The storm stopped, stopped. The people were saved. Some of you need to throw Jonah off your boat. Some of you are hanging around with people that got your heart and they're pulling you away from God. Until you separate your heart from those people, you're not going to get that blessing. You could pray and dance and worship. But you see what happened to Abraham. When Lot departed, God spoke to him. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So I'm gonna, there's a parallel verse in Hebrews in the New Testament, verse 8. I'm going to read that. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, 
the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, Abraham had a different heart than Lot. He wasn't there to build his own fortune, his own kingdom. He was after building the kingdom of God. He was there to build a place for his family, for his children, for his grandchildren. Even now we're receiving the blessing because of the faithfulness of Abraham. That's what he was all about. The Bible says this world, he lived in the world. He enjoyed the blessings. See, I'm not telling you not to enjoy the things in the world like when you eat a steak. Say, oh, I, I hate this because you're not supposed to enjoy any pleasures of the world. If you go to a movie, enjoy the movie. If you eat the hot dog, enjoy the hot dog, whatever it is. I, I hope you all have fun every day. I hope the devil doesn't steal from any one of you another day of fun. But be like Abraham. Don't live for those things. He, he lived to build the kingdom of God. He lived as if this world was not his home. He lived as a foreigner, as an alien. And it tells us in the New Testament, that's what you all are. You're a foreigner here. You're an alien here. This is not our home in this kingdom. But what did, what did Abraham look forward to? He looked forward to a better place, the city of God. And I don't believe that's just about one day we're going to go to heaven. I believe that God has called us to transform this city, to turn it upside down. I believe that God has called every one of you, just like Abraham, where every place he steps his foot, the kingdom of God comes. He's taking ground for his children, for his grandchildren. He, he didn't live just to build his own fortune. He, he enjoyed it, but that's not what he lived for. You see, the things that you're living for, was it worth Christ dying for? You need to ask yourself that question. Because you can, just like Abraham, you can have an impact on this world. You can, you can transform a city. You can transform generations. Some of you who are teachers are going to transform the schools. Don't let it transform you. Don't let it make you give up. Don't let those schools knock you down. I believe that Christians can rise up and, and form a whole new movement of education. Those of you in music and the arts, we're not just going to curse the movie industry. We're going to change it. You can have an impact out there, right in the streets. I asked for a couple of people to give testimonies. I'm going to ask first if, if Bird, if you could come up and, and share a little bit. Because he's got a powerful ministry of taking the gospel off of the stage here, which is great. But then what do you do with it when you get it out of here? Praise God. You know, there's always somebody out in the street that needs to hear a message of hope and salvation. And it doesn't matter what format you use to do it. You know, I, ha I use hip-hop as a tool to reach those that really could relate to it. 
but that's I'm not limited to that. Thank God. You know, just like Gary said, if you're if you're in the schools, if you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you're a mechanic, you can preach a message of hope and salvation to someone because you can relate to them. I mean, through the hip hop ministry, we've seen many people come to the Lord. And I'm not saying it's only because we're rapping that they're accepting Christ. It's the power of Christ in us revealed to them that allows them to come closer to him. You know, I take no credit for it except it's just like a plant. Like we say, somebody plants the seed, another one has to water it. The other one sees it grow. Sometimes you got to cut the dry leaves off. Like he said, throw Jonah off the boat. But it's incredible how many people are waiting for you to open your mouth and tell them about Christ. That's the most important part. Yes, it can be through hip-hop. It could be through rock. It could be through dance. It could be through spoken word, whatever it is. But there's people out there that are hungry to hear what you have to say. There was this one guy, I remember, we were in Orchard Beach of all places, one of those places where Christians would probably walk in like this. And we're ministering with uh, people from Crossroads and the storytellers, and we got about 85 people out there, live music. And we're rapping all day and giving out Bibles, tickets to concerts. It was a wonderful thing. We were just about done. Everybody was packing up the equipment. And here comes a group of about, of about six guys. They were so drunk, they were almost walking backwards. And they came up and they said, what are you guys doing? And someone told them, we're just about to leave. I said, no, we're not. We just started. Now, this is why we're here. We were able to, I started rapping to them acapella. I said, I don't need no music. You know, we'll just go in. We started. Pastor Joe pulled out the drums and started playing. We put everything almost back together for those five guys. And then at the end, like everybody else all day long, right, what do we do? We offered them a free Bible, a free CD, and free tickets, but I didn't know we didn't have any. We were done. I told them, yo, you want some free CDs and tickets? Hold on, let me go to the van and get When we went, the bag was empty. I was like, okay, now, you know, what do I do now? We told them, you know what, why don't you guys come to the church on Sunday? At this time, it was Crossroads was doing a big play the following week. So once you guys go to Crossroads and pick up your free CD and Bible, tell them Bert sent you. I don't go there, so I don't, you know, they'll get in trouble on their own. Said, uh, tell them Bert sent you. You go get, get your CD and tickets and stuff. Out of the five guys, one guy came back. Reminds me of those that, the ungrateful ones, right? And only one comes back saying, Lord, thank you. One guy came to the church. He was probably still drunk because he was so drunk that day. And I figured they're not going to remember. He showed up. He got his CD. He got his ticket. He came to the play. He accepted Christ. I believe he's an usher or a deacon at the church now or something like that. But all that to say, I don't take credit for that. I do take credit for one thing, for being able to recognize that God can use me. And every single one of us here, God can use you. Whether it's through hip-hop, again, it doesn't matter. The format you use to get that message across, it's not important. What's important is your obedience and your submission to God's will in your life to be a blessing in someone else's life. Amen. I'm going to ask Ephraim to come up. A, a, a brother from another planet right here. And look, I liked what you said Father's Day so much. I got your lollipop. Oh, no. That's how you do it. <laughs> Let me get you back for that one. <laughs> Actually, he called me up to speak about a ministry that I have that's uh, 
you know, when these doors close, you know, ministry still continues. Whether you're leaving, you're going to families' houses. Like today, we're going to get together with some of our families and have a cookout. A bit, you know, and I'm not saying go over there and just bombard them with, you know, with religion. But just, you know, share a little some of what God has done in your life. But one of the things that I do, and um, I'm, I'm a lead singer in a rock band called Double Edge, right here from the Sanctuary Fellowship. And, and see, I don't, I don't only sing up here, but what I do is, you know, me, Jason, and Manny, and another brother that's not in this church, we take what we've learned and we put it to practice outside. And the, and the twist is, is that we don't only do Christian events. Because you, you can do a lot of Christian events and, and, and get stuck there just ministering to Christian people, you know. But, but we have, a, we have a, a, a ministry that takes us in places that some of us Christians wouldn't be dead seen <laughs> in. And I'm talking about some of the dirtiest, gutter, gutterest bars <laughs> in the city or even in Brooklyn or in Queens. And, and, and we go in there and, 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 you know, God has given us the ability on how to approach a situation like that. Because, you know, we have, we have a sound that we believe that transcends, you know, even some of the music that's out here today. And it's on the same level, it, it, but the, the difference is that it has a, a message that, 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 that speaks of life and hope, you know. And when we go in these places, I'm telling you, man, we've never got a bad reception, you know. And at the same time, you know, I'm running with some big dudes, so... <laughs> ain't, too many, ain't too many dudes want to really give us a bad reception. But God always moves and 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 honestly i've never did a we don't do altar calls in a bar you know and i've and i've never seen somebody get saved you know but i'm obedient enough to know that god has given us a gift that we need to take outside of this church you know and go to where they are you know because god said i'll meet you where you are man you know whether it's in the bar whether it's a crack house Wherever, man, he'll be right there and he'll meet you at your level and pick you up, you know. And I thank God for that ministry because, um, I, well, you know, for us, for, for to be young men in the Lord and to be able to go outside and, and not be condemned because it's controversial. You know, a lot of people don't agree with what we do. You know, they think that uh, you should just worship, you know, and worship in church and worship to the Lord. Rock music is not from God, you know, but I'm telling you, man. I know a lot of people that serve in the Lord now because of a rock ministry, you know. So we're still active. The band is still active. We even have another band called St. Peter's Ave and Osiris Rain in this church, you know. And if you want to see us how we do it in a bar, yo, you can come out this Saturday, June 10th. No, July 10th. July 10th, we're going to be in a wonder bar, in a bar in Queens, a real-life bar. They're going to be drinking. Probably going to be some drunk people there. But we're going to be sharing the word of God through our music ministries. <laughs> you see, that's what Abraham did. He didn't sit around his tent. He said, God told him, you go out. You go out into the streets, out into the highways, and just begin to walk. And every place that you set your foot, I'm going to give you. See, God is going to give us the hip-hop world. You know that Christians can do better rock, better hip-hop, make better movies than the world can. But we've, we've been content to give it over to the enemy. But we're going to be like Abraham. We're going to take it back. We're just going to walk right in to the most evil, horrible places and say, God, I claim it for you. 
I'm going to ask if if the worship team can come back right now. And and this is how God showed me to to close. And I called Pastor George. I said, well, this might look a little weird. He didn't seem to care that much how weird we get over here, brother. See, I'm I'm believing that anointing is going to come on every one of you. I I believe that God wants to anoint the feet of everyone here. That everywhere that you go, you're going to change the atmosphere. That you're going to change your workplace, your home, your family. Even today as you go to visit people, that things are going to start to break open. Because everywhere you go, you carry the very presence and power and glory of God. So this is what we want to do. We, we want to anoint your feet today with oil. And believe God that you're going to walk in the blessings and prosperity of Abraham. That you're going to walk in the transforming power and grace. That things are going to begin to change in your life. That things at work are not going to be the same. And if you're not working, things are going to begin to change. We're believing for upheaval in your life. And see, anointing is a sign of God empowering you to do what you can't do. So I'm going to ask those I asked to help to pray, if you could come up. And also, anyone else in the, in the prayer team? If, you, if you're willing to help us begin to anoint people's feet, we, we want to invite you to. So I'm going to ask you to all stand right now. And, and I'm just going to ask you to come up right now, even bring the babies, bring the little children. We're believing that they're going to be world changers. That even at a young age, that schools are going to be changed for God. So we just want to begin to invite you. Just, just begin to come up. You don't have to say or do anything. But we want to anoint you as a family. I'm, I'm believing that as we anoint your feet... Things are going to break loose for you. If some of the ushers can come up and help us. Okay, just begin. Just release the anointing right now. Just right now. Father, we thank you, Lord God. I, I, I just release the anointing on the feet of your people right now, oh God. Never the same, Lord God. Totally changed. Totally transformed. Taking ground. Father, I thank you that the atmosphere in offices are changing right now. In schools, Lord God.
Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. Just so we may know that he loves us.